I had a yellow long sleeve shirt with a motorcycle on it, and that's where it all started. I would say, where's my hot seat? Those were some of my first words, is where's my hot seat, which was, where's my motorcycle? And I've had toy motorcycles and motorcycle shirts for as long as I can remember. Motorcycling, I think I can honestly say, is definitely one of my favorite things I've ever done in my life. Um, it's just something about being in the air that high up. It's life-changing, honestly. Coming in jumps that are 100 feet long and you're jumping 20, 30 feet in the air is quite an adrenaline rush. Welcome, my friends, to a little brighter podcast where we interview a seemingly ordinary person with a seemingly ordinary hobby and find the extraordinary love and passion that makes our world a little brighter. I'm your host, Nicole Graff. Joshua Graff was born 10 pounds of pure adrenaline. His energy can motivate anyone to live on the wild side, which has led him into hundreds of crazy adventures. I was thrilled Joshua agreed to sit still long enough to do this interview with me. Even from his earliest childhood memories, the word still wasn't in his vocabulary. I learned how to ride a bike without training wheels at two years old. How old were you when you actually started riding motorcycles? I mean, you were two when you started riding bikes, but do you remember? Probably about seven or eight. Yeah. There's a funny story. I remember I was going to Mesquite to race. It was my first time ever racing. And I was like, Dad, I need numbers on my bike. So we pull over to a little auto part store and we walked in and the only numbers they had was three and five. And he was like, it's 53 or 35. And I chose 53 and it's always been that since, I mean, I can remember, I guess. And that's how you got your number. I love that he has kept the number 53 as his own personal signature. But as Josh gets older, his bikes get bigger and it is breathtaking to see him launch a 200-pound machine 30 feet in the air, whipping it to the side and somehow landing it safely on the ground. As exhilarating as that sounds, I'm exhausted thinking about how strong you would need to be to keep everything under control. So tell me a little bit, when you were racing, what was the kind of preparation that you had to put into getting ready for races or what would you have to do? There's a lot of preparation. You have to be super like physically fit. Um, we'd go out almost every day of the week and ride for five to six hours a day, whether it was just getting into corners faster or just finding rhythm sections. It is definitely something that the whole family has to be involved in. If you don't have your parents behind you, there is no way that I would have been able to do it. I mean, they had to get me out to the track before I could drive. 
not till the end of when I was riding. I couldn't even load my own bike by myself. Some nights, me and my dad would be out, and my little brother, we'd be out in the garage till 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning, changing oil or tires, just about anything. Nice. Josh had tons of support from his parents and family, and he really couldn't say all the things that he wanted to. Underneath his tough exterior, there is a heart of gold and endless dedication to the people he allows into his life. In our first episode, you met Josh's little brother, Tanner, and with these two 16 months apart, they are always finding new ways to make a little trouble and a lot of memories. I don't remember exactly how long ago it was, but Tanner had surgery and wasn't supposed to even get out of bed. And I think my parents were gone and we had built some jumps out of some fold up tables, but Tanner was flying off of it and my parents pulled up and wow, that was not, they were mad about that. <laughs> it was after he had a hernia surgery. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a troublemaker, never been a faker. I broke my elbow um, skateboarding about a year and a half ago. Um, my mom told me I couldn't ride my motorcycle while I was broken. Actually, one time she went out of town and I was riding wheelies down the street with my cast on. I don't remember who saw me, but they yelled at me because I, not the best idea. I had no helmet on, I was pulling wheelies. I had a cast up to my bicep. <laughs> And I called my mom and I said, Mom, I'm cutting my cast off. And she said, I swear if you cut your cast off, you're, you're done. And I was like, I'll be sure to send you a video. And I hung up before she could say anything else. I sent her a video about 20 minutes later and I cut my cast all the way off. That was fun, though. Given up. Building jumps, riding wheelies? Why are this kid's parents out of town all the time? <laughs> Just kidding. I love hearing Joshua talk about his family, but then something occurred to me. Who were Josh's trainers since his family literally couldn't keep up with him? I worked with Donnie Hansen, which is Josh Hansen's father. Um, I was working with Justin Vaughn for a little bit. Um, Justin was actually probably one of my biggest helpers. He actually um, raced professionally when he was younger. So knowing that he knew what he was doing and helping me out with it just really made it a lot easier. And their whole family's close family friends, so I felt more comfortable asking him questions about things and having him tell me what to do. I wasn't intimidated by him. Just out of curiosity, are there any races or like adventures that you would be interested in doing in the future? The Baja 1000. Can you tell me a little bit about that? It's basically a thousand mile race in Mexico. And how does that run? Like, um, you can do, you do, do that it yourself on a motorcycle. Or? You can do it by yourself if you're crazy. Um, actually, Justin Vaughn, the guy that I was training with for a minute, he did. 250 miles of sand whoops on a motorcycle. So it's pretty grueling and dangerous. Oh, yeah. 
Okay, so who are some of the people in the sport that you look up to? Maybe some of your favorite writers? I think I'm going to have to say Ryan Dungy is by far my favorite writer. Um, he's definitely one of the most humble guys. I think that's on the track. Ken Roxon's another one of my favorites. He's a young guy, but he can still keep up with all the older guys. When I first started riding, Adam Cincerillo was he was closer to my age, so I felt like I could kind of almost connect with his writing. I watched him a lot on YouTube and like learning what he was doing to improve my skills. So tell me a little bit about how difficult it is to become a professional in this sport. Um, I don't think I would ever want to go professional. I mean, I think I could have done it if I actually wanted to, but I like it as more of a hobby instead of a job because I know that Ryan Dungey, Ken Roxon, Ryan Villapoto, James Stewart, it's a job to them. And they've all said it. So do you think that once it becomes a job, it kind of takes the joy out of it for you? Yeah, even just racing locally. It was fun, but there was so much pressure on me that I just, I didn't really like it as much as just going out to the track with my friends and practicing or going out across the river to Green Valley and just riding our bikes. Building our own little tracks out in the desert was a lot more fun to me than actually racing. This response actually took me by surprise. Here is a kid that is incredibly gifted, and yet he didn't want to go professional. But I think his wisdom is something to take a second glance at. As a society, we are constantly told to find a skill, get good at it, and then make lots and lots of money. And although Josh looks up to his professional mentors, they have taught him an important lesson. Ride for yourself, not for the money. So when you're riding, where do you go in your head? Where's your mind at? Nowhere. I kind of lose my mind, actually. I mean, when I would get worked up at home, I wouldn't say anything to anybody. I'd get my gear on and I'd leave. And I'd come back 10 times happier than I was when I left. Josh, do you have a secret hobby? Something that maybe people wouldn't know that much about? or well, I was going to say rounding up ladies, but I guess everybody knows about that. <laughs> um, I mean, most people know about this, but I love going to the lake. That is probably one of my other all-time favorite things. Um, my dad is caring enough and loving enough to let me take the boat out with my friends. So that's been a real blessing that he's trusted me to do that. Thank you for listening to this episode of A Little Brighter Podcast. Our podcast is produced by Jessica Neiman and hosted by yours truly, Nicole Graff. If you are interested in being interviewed for a future episode and sharing what makes your world a little brighter, please shoot us an email at a little brighter podcast at gmail.com. 
We will be back this time next week. Hope you will tune in. And in the meantime, keep shining.